four nations lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed, and my brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe that Aang saved the world. And welcome back to What's Appa, a rewatch podcast of the greatest show ever, Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm Joyce. I'm Justin. And I'm Anand. And we want to give a special shout out to our friend Jake, who read the intro this week. So this is episode eight of our podcast, where we'll be discussing the waterbending scroll. All right. So previously on Avatar, we learned in the Southern Air Temple episode at the end that Aang and Katara plan to learn waterbending together at the North Pole. And that Aang's task, as learned from Avatar Roku, is that he must defeat the Fire Lord and learn all the elements by the time the comet arrives at the end of the summer. Dun-dun. Just a fun fact and something I noticed, and I thought this would be apt because this is the Waterbending Scroll episode, is that on the title card sequence of all the episodes in Avatar, uh, depending on which book it is, there's the Chinese word for that element. So there's the water word in the title sequence but a lot of chinese words are based off their origin source so for example the water character looks kind of like um, a stream it's very characterized in a kind of like calligraphy way in the title sequence so it does look like a stream and over time it evolved so if you google the chinese character for water today it looks very similar but at the same time very different Mm. early early fun fact for you all Usually this comes much later, but we're starting off strong. Okay, so the first scene is the gang flying on Appa, and Aang is pacing around, and one thing I noticed is that Sokka is flying Appa, which is kind of cool, because usually Aang's the one behind the wheel. So Aang is really stressed about the comet, um, rightfully so, because he realized that he had to master all four elements by next summer, um, which is just absolutely no time. And Sokka makes a sarcastic comment about how he's taken 100 years to master airbending and it shouldn't be that hard, which is not helpful. But then Katara tells Aang to calm down and she offers to teach Aang some of the things she knows, which is the beginning of our central conflict. So the next scene is the team Avatar arriving at this quote-unquote nice puddle, which is actually this beautiful waterfall lagoon. Um, And (laughs) yeah, because they're like, oh, let's find a nice little, or Sokka was like, let's find a nice little puddle for you guys to splash in. Um, And it's just beautiful. And then Appa just cannonballs straight into the water and is having a grand old time. Um, And Aang is just about to join him before Katara really calls him back to reality and is like, hello, we're here to learn waterbending. And this is just kind of funny because Aang continues to have the attention span of a goldfish throughout the show i like this scene because it reminded me a lot of the beginning scene of the kyushi warriors episode because ang and crew go to the lake to just have a good time and katara at that point is like oh like we shouldn't stay too long we should get back to things but ang continues to just go splash around with the thingies in the water so but here ang is about to jump in the lake with appa but katara says remember the reason why we're here and then ang is like oh yeah let's practice waterbending so i think this shows some growth in ang at least that he's willing to heed katara's advice here and actually do some real work i also found it really funny that ang just immediately strips his underwear straight away right again <laughs> yeah the, the boy loves the water Ooh. 
He just has a natural, he's drawn towards the water naturally, which can maybe explain how he later picks up water bending so quickly. Um, Another thing that happens in the scene is Sokka asks what he's supposed to do while they're playing with water. And Aang says, you could clean out the gunk out of Appa's toes. And it's just felt so bad for Sokka. And he just does not like he's just so underappreciated on this team. Like, oh, what's like the worst, most like menial task you can do? It's like cleaning Appa's toes. Although Appa does deserve it after last episode. So. Yeah, he really is just like chillaxing right now and he totally deserves it from saving their asses last time. So the next scene is Zuko on his ship and he's practicing firebending. But as he's practicing, the ship veers and is changing course. And so he goes to the captain's quarters and then he says, what's the meaning of this mutiny? No one told you to change course. Um, But this line just made me really made me laugh because it was just so dramatic like what's the meaning of this mutiny (laughs) like it felt a little out of place it was kind of strange but also kind of funny so then Iroh actually says that oh we're changing course for a good reason because um he needs to look for his lotus tile that he seems to have misplaced for his pie show game and he says most people think and Zuko's obviously like what the heck infuriated and he says most people think the lotus tile insignificant but it is essential for the unusual strategy that i employ i love that you bring up that quote joyce because we see this be a very important tile later in book two in the desert episode where iroh employs the white lotus gambit in order to basically Mm -hmm. find his order of the white lotus members in Mm -hmm. the oasis so I have a couple fun facts about Pi Show because I was interested in this game. Um, and to my surprise, Pi Show is actually not a real game, <laughs> which I totally thought it was. But um, yeah, it's a made up game, but oh, really? it bears resemblance to board games such as Go, Chinese checkers, normal straight checkers or English checkers. I don't really know. Um, and Chinese chess. Um, and it can be played It can be used for gambling, but it also can be played without gambling. But we definitely see uh, some scenes of Iroh being like, ah, like I took all this guy's money when he's playing. Um, And that the name of Pai Show mimics a Chinese tile game called Pai Gao, which can be played with gambling. So maybe that's where they got the well, that's where they got the inspiration for the name from. Hmm. And then Mike and Brian. So Mike and Brian made up the game without thinking of the rules completely. Obviously, we don't see very detailed gameplay of the of Pi Show in the show. However, Nickelodeon actually later made an online version of Pi Show that fans could play. I don't think that this is out there anymore, oh, oh. but you can also wiki how the rules of the game and find maybe different boards out there that you can buy or just you can create your own board and it has this WikiHow has all the rules it's very lengthy i did not want to get into the weeds with it but the objective of the game is to create quote-unquote harmonies out of the tiles which are just special arrangements of the tiles and different arrangements when you different number a different number of points so the next scene is Team Avatar back at the lake and Sokka is cleaning Appa's toes and Appa is getting the rest he so deserves. And then Katara is by the water trying to teach Aang basic water bending. And before they start, Aang just kind of is looking at her in awe and kind of ogling her. I don't know. It was either, it was both like awe at the fact that he was going to learn water bending for the first time and like obviously he's like kind of smitten but anyways the first move that she teaches him she says took months 
for her to perfect, but it's a pushing and pulling of the water. And I just thought it was kind of like Tui and La, which we see later. But that's the first move. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What does Tui and La mean in Chinese? I don't know, Justin. What does it mean in Chinese? <laughs> it means push and pull. <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> you guys and your inside jokes. So this is also really cool because this is the first time we see Aang waterbend without being in the Avatar state. And we will soon find out what a prodigy this young little boy is. Yeah. What a talent. Mm -hmm, indeed. In fact, he is so much a talent that... He quickly masters his pull and push move, and we see Katara yeah. get visibly jealous of Aang. Exactly. So Katara is getting kind of insecure because she's like, oh, well, it took me months to learn that or it took me years to learn that. And she continually tries to teach Aang more difficult moves, and he continually aces them pretty much immediately. And I don't know, it kind of makes sense that she's upset, right, because she spent her whole life training herself in these moves that took a lot of practice and then Aang is just getting it super easily and he tries to make her feel better saying like oh I had a good teacher but still so I just yeah gotta remind ourselves of that because she does get increasingly annoying <laughs> so then one of the moves is that Aang <laughs> makes a giant giant wave that's like the most advanced move and it crashes over Sokka and all of their supplies gets washed down the river and they have to go replace it all. Yeah, I thought this was kind of interesting because it shows how when Aang begins to learn something, he's very good at it because of his raw talent, but he's not very disciplined in his practice. And so he does these crazy things, but because of his lack of discipline he often becomes overconfident and does mm -hmm. kind of rash things so in this case washing all of their supplies they have little money washing all of their supplies down the river and then this reminded me of the deserter episode mm -hmm. when ang first learns firebending and he's good at it in the beginning he's actually like you know kind of a natural at it but he's so good that he lets it go out of control and burns katara um yeah yeah that's a really good point um, so then they have to fix all of Aang's mistakes and they go to this village, another village. However, unlike the other villages, it's a fishing village. Apparently, according to Avatar Wiki, it's called Seedy Merchant's Pier. And it looks quite different from the other villages we see, obviously, because it's on the water. Something I found really cool about this village is that in Avatar, a lot of the time, the color grading that the animators use conveys a lot of information. For example, in every Earth Kingdom village we visit, everyone's always wearing green. Everything is green themed, except when we go to Umashu and Bumi's wearing purple, which is kind of like this rebel stands out. He is like mm -hmm. the king of the city. Um, every time we visit, you know, the air nomads, everything's yellow. Uh, but when we visit this village, this fishing, fishing village, we see red Chinese lanterns. There's a guy with only one arm who's wearing red. The fishmonger is wearing air nomad colors, mm. which are like orange mm -hmm. and beige yellow. There's a guy in the back, uh, three people with hats on that look very much Earth Kingdom. And I thought that was kind of a nod to how multicultural this town is. And it, it kind of reminded me of early like trading posts, kind of like shipping lane merchant areas like Singapore, which are extremely multicultural, but mm -hmm. also kind of seedy <laughs> and shady at the time. Yeah. So one of the first things they do when they get to this town is they want to buy things and or at least get more money because Sokka says we only have three copper pieces left from the money King Boomy gave us. Um, and another 
reference to Avatar income. But also, it's kind of a goof because were they did they mean to say the money that they got from Senlin Village, which was the village they were at at the solstice, because they also got money from that village, and they don't reference that. So it's like, did they spend that money even faster? <laughs> or, or maybe, I don't know. Um, but anyways... And then Aang says, actually, no, it's two copper pieces because I bought this bison whistle. And I just thought, why are these even for sale? <laughs> so no one has bison anymore. But another oddity about this whistle is that the bison on the whistle only has four legs. Whereas oh. all the flying bison in this world we've seen have six. Dang, good catch. This, I found these things online. <laughs> Nonetheless, <laughs> good catch. Thank you. Uh, maybe <laughs> that's why Sokka was so skeptical. Um, but yeah, Scott, Sokka was a skeptical self. He's like, Aang, why are you spending this money? You're stupid. But then even Katara doesn't let this go because Katara tells Aang, maybe I'll handle the money from now on. <laughs> so... <laughs> Aang pulled such a such a move that even Katara is is annoyed at him. Little do they know that is that bison will <laughs> yeah. pay for itself time and time again. <laughs> we really do need an Avatar asset management course. The best investment in the world of Avatar. Yeah. As as we'll find out later, there's some high risk trading going on. Yeah, <laughs> this is high risk trading. High risk guy oh, reward. Yeah, well. <laughs> the OG high risk trader. So they are walking along the shore or in, w- around the village and this pirate named Pirate Barker O tries to sell them, quote, exotic curios. And he's like, we got them. Um, whatever they are, we got them. And Aang is so drawn in, um, which is quite relatable. Aang, cl- Aang likes to, for a monk, he really likes to um, spend money on worldly possessions. So the pirate Barker, the ship behind him is a type of Chinese Luxail ship or Sampan rig, uh, which is a reference to ancient Chinese uh, shipping techniques or shipping architecture Mm. that Mm. relate back to the Song Dynasty, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, Some more fun facts. Pirate Barker was voiced by Brian McKittrick, who also voiced the foaming mouth guy. But Brian McKittrick is actually an alias for Brian Konitsko, which blew my mind. Because if you look him up on IMDb, um, Brian McKittrick uh, redirects to Brian Konitsko's IMDb page. What? <laughs> and then, so even more mind-blowing, what? Pirate Barker O was named after and modeled after Seung Hun O, who was a Korean oh. animator who later became the supervising director for Book 3, wow. Fire. And I learned through this research that Brian and Mike gave the Korean animators a lot more leeway in their animation than other Nickelodeon studios did at the time. And a lot of the Korean animators were paid to come to the United States to animate specifically for Avatar. And they were getting special privileges that other studios didn't give them. For example, they were able to choose the timing on the storyboards, which eventually led them to win multiple awards. And some of these animators went on to also direct and creatively help direct Korra. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, what a deep A nice nod. Yeah, is. for sure. So the next scene is Team Avatar enters the pirate ship and they're looking at all the little trinkets. And the pirate captain comes out and he wants to barter for Momo. And then... Aang's like, nah. And then Katara finds the waterbending scroll. Ooh. So now the episode really begins. 
And another fun fact about the scroll is the top move on the scroll. So the first row is the same move that Paku does in the opening sequence. So it's kind of where you're drawing water up through the center of your body and then you just throw it off to the side. And yeah. So some more fun facts about the water bending scroll. Um, the 24 moves on the water bending scroll are actually based off Tai Chi moves. Another fun fact, in The Last Airbender, the film, the waterbending school is found in the Earth Kingdom, which makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, so then Katara asks the pirate where he got it, and the pirate says he got it up north for the low, low price of free, which is wrong. Um, and then Sokka at this point sees their reptile birds, and he says, wait a minute, sea-loving traders with suspiciously acquired merchandise and pet reptile birds? You guys are pirates! I just love Sokka's little detective moments here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so then Katara tries to buy the waterbending scroll, but the pirate captain says um, it's not for sale unless you can cough up 200 gold pieces right now. And Katara is like, well, rip, we're poor. And then Aang is like, don't worry, I got this. Pirates love to haggle. And he puts on his pirate accent and he says, let's say ye to the price of one copper piece. <laughs> and then the pirate laughs and he's like, ha, okay, kid, get lost. And then he's like, not for sale. And Aang says, two copper pieces. <laughs> and then <laughs> the first time the pirate laughed and the second time he's like, okay, well, like, this is not funny anymore. It's not funny the second time. <laughs> and Katara says, we should probably go. We're getting weird looks. Um, and a mini goof here which again i did not come up with myself but i read it on wiki is that katara is wearing a necklace when she says this when she says quote i feel like we're getting weird looks oh. it's a very it's the the camera's pretty zoomed out but you can see the you can see like just the shape of it um but that's clearly inaccurate because zuko has mm. a necklace wow. um and then ang says i we be casting off now and they um leave the ship so then the next scene is the pirates are going after them um, and they don't really know why at this point, but there's a, a long chase right here through the village and there's pretty good music here. Kind of is, it kind of reminds me of Agni Kai music a little with like a little bit of drums. Another call out that I'll make about this chase sequence is that when the pirates jump out of the ship, they have like a very diverse set of weapons. Um, and they're all Eastern weapons, like ancient Chinese, Japanese, and Korean weapons, which I thought was really, really cool that they were able to incorporate um all these different styles of martial arts in here anyways it's it's a pretty good montage chase scene and then the cabbage man also comes back which makes it even a better montage cabbage chase man. montage scene and he this part is this is the second time we see the cabbage man but it's just funny because team or Sokka and katara run by him and they kind of knock his cart so it's a little off kilter and then some of the cabbages fall off and he's catching them one by one and you're like okay this is good this is good and then ang leaps over the cart and completely avoids the cabbages and you're like you want to like you know applaud and be like okay cabbage man is finally making his living he's he's gonna be successful but then ang ang airbends and shoots the cart back at the pirates and you just feel really bad for him again. And it hurts even more because, you know, he was so close to making it out alive with his cabbages. Um, and then he says, my cabbages, this place is worse than Omashu. Also, Aang was the one who destroyed the cabbages. Like, come on, get Avatar. One thing I noticed about this whole chase scene is that Katara actually has a good um, move that she does here. While they're all getting chased, 
she knocks down this uh, tub of water and then freezes the water, mm. which makes the the, cha- the pirate slip. And this actually seems like a fairly, I don't know, it seems like it would be more advanced than, you know, like push and pull. Like she's freezing water and actually does come in handy. So I thought that was cool, but also it seems like a more complex move that she just pulls out of nowhere. Yeah, again, maybe out of desperation and in a time mm. of crisis. Yeah. Um, but that is, yeah, it's a cool note to it's a cool thing to bookmark because I think Katara uses one of Katara's greatest fighting tactics is using ice in general when she's fighting people. And mm-hmm. this is the first time we see it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the chase ends with them getting dead ended and then Aang just completely destroys them by sending um, a big gust of air their way. And then he, Sokka and Katara escape on his glider. Yeah, he can carry two other human beings. Dang. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then they get back to the lake and Katara, they find out that Katara stole the scroll. Katara's not so good after all. I feel like before she's been kind of righteous and goody. Yeah, I think I think she has moments, right? In prison, she was willing to put um, like a lot of people in danger to like do what she thought was right. She has a lot of moments That's like true. that, I think. Katara says that the the reason she steals the scroll is because the pirates stole it from the waterbenders. And so Katara is like, it's fine to steal it from them, which is, to a certain extent, a fair point. Katara has this very retribution-style justice that she sees throughout the world. It's if someone inflicts damage, then we should we have the moral duty to inflict damage back and violence in order to achieve justice that's kind of her vision of the world we see on the painted lady when she attacks the the polluting factory right but i think you know there is some some reason to that uh view of the world however i think she's just using that right now as a mask for the real reason she stole the scroll and that's because she's jealous Mm. of Aang. i think we we see the jealousy so evidently manifested in the previous scene and we know that Katara is just super, and we see it um, again, but Katara is just super annoyed at Aang. And, and I think that's the real reason she sees the scroll. And then she's able to mask it in this kind of justice mask, which is kind of, kind of <laughs> devious. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's, that's an interesting point. When I watched it, though, I didn't think of her stealing it as a sort of vindictive move to you know, surpass Aang's abilities. I thought it was more just infatuation and around waterbending and wanting to, being so excited to learn it. I didn't even get to that level of thinking Katara, of Katara as such a, as such a devious calculating person. Yeah, regardless of whatever reason she should have, Aang is like surprisingly okay with her stealing, which is breaking the second precept mm-hmm. in Buddhism. And his, like, weird moral flexibility, obviously, in the Southern Raiders season, uh, book three, episode 16, um, he tells her to choose the path of forgiveness when she goes to confront the person that killed her parents, or killed her mother, rather, in the whole eye for an eye, Hammurabi-esque moral framework that she has. Um, but it's just kind of weird that here mm-hmm. Aang is like, oh, ha-ha. Because uh, Sokka does speak up against it, and Aang just, like, laughs along. Mm-hmm. Sokka is pretty disapproving and he says you put all of our lives in danger just so you could learn some stupid fancy splashes so actually I don't know if he's more 
morally opposed to her stealing, but I think he's very opposed to the fact that he she stole at the expense of their safety. Because yeah. obviously Sokka steals at the end. Yeah. So I don't know if that's his main problem with it. That's true, but at the end he does ask her when when he steals it he's like what is what did we learn this time and then katara's like stealing's bad and then she's like unless it's from pirates <laughs> and then ang's laughs so they're consistent throughout this episode but it's kind of it's definitely morally questionable for sure if she should have stolen the, the spell i it. agree but yeah anyways so just Sokka saying stupid fancy splashes made me think about in the the very first episode where he's he says every time you play with water something something or every time you play with magic water and calling it stupid fancy splashes just still I think represents some of Sokka's uh, mindset towards bending which is that it's not he just doesn't love it still and he feels like he's a victim of it whenever it's around and he also probably doesn't like it because he can't bend and he feels inferior and it's just he in general has very negative associations with it and yeah he kind of associates it with with children right it's always like a childish thing like playing with water or whatever and i guess he wants to see himself as as the leader the adult i know i it's i think it's cool to see throughout avatar and the universe how different people deal with this kind of almost inferiority complex their inability to bend we see this relationship again in Korra with Tenzin and and his siblings his younger brother Bumi who can't bend and how that manifests in him joining the military um, and dealing with his own insecurities about not being able to bend and then Amon's entire movement around bending elitism and, and what that means yeah yeah good point um so then this scene ends with ang be- saying something that is maybe a little bit more monk-like he says what's done is done we have it we might as well learn from it so he's not dwelling on it and obviously he's been benefiting from it so maybe that's part of the reason <laughs> why he's okay with it anyway so then Iroh and Zuko hit the town and Iroh still can't find his tile um, and he says he searched everywhere and Zuko says, ugh, like what a waste of time. And um, then Iroh says he sees the bargain ship and he says, I always say that the only thing better than finding something you are looking for is finding something you weren't looking for at a great bargain. Um, So yeah, some shopaholic wisdom right here. yeah, Ira is just super funny this episode. <laughs> yeah, and one of the things that he finds for a great bargain is a Sugi horn, which shows up later in the Storm episode. Uh, and I gotta say, the Sugi horn slaps. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's super good, and Ira is a master at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then Zuko and Ira go on to the pirate ship, and they hear over Zuko overhears a pirate saying, We lost the waterbending girl and that little bald monk she was traveling with. And Zuko's like, What? Did this bald monk have an arrow in his head? And then, yeah. Yeah, some more fun continuity things in this scene. Um, I was inspecting this bejeweled small monkey, uh, which does show up in later (laughs) episodes. Um, And they do inspect or talk about the scroll that was stolen. Um, And we can see on the scroll, among some other Chinese words, the actual uh, Hunza written out character for water here which is looks remarkably different from Mm. the title sequence but we can see the evolution in in the way Mm -hmm. the word is written oh interesting uh at the end of this scene when zuko is questioning uh the pirate we see iroh in the background 
um, looking at the monkey and he turns to the camera and he has this like huge grin on his face and and there are monkey sounds yeah. that come on too. So it's kind of unclear like who's making them, but I think it's Iroh and that's really just silly Yeah, he's funny. such a goof. I actually didn't even notice this the first time around until I saw, I read about it and I had to go back and see it and it was, it was completely worth the rewatch. Yeah, so make sure you guys keep your eyes out for that because Iroh's being a cutie back there. So back to Team Avatar, they're at the waterfall and they're first, they're having their first go at practicing a new move. So Katara says, oh, you know, like, let me just practice this one move and then you can have it, Aang. So here's another hint that she really just wanted this to, I don't know. I still feel like she just wanted it for herself because she wants to get better. I don't see any sort of, Mm -hmm. you know, revenge, like mindset here, but she wants to try the single water whip and she tries and she whips herself in the face and it hurts and Sokka laughs. (laughs) Yeah. I think this is just another manifestation of, I think this is negative emotion. And I think this is another uh, piece of evidence why I think it was kind of this manifestation of jealousy because she she's never hurt herself while practicing waterbending, right? She's always been maybe a little weaker than Aang, but she works on it and slowly by slowly she gets better at it. But here she's trying too hard. And I think it's this manifestation of jealousy or this mm. other negative emotion where she actually creates a water whip and hurts herself. And so we see this like self-infliction of harm or harm to people that you love as something that's just a manifestation of, of negative emotion. So I think there's something something not great going on in her that's mind. That's a good right now. point. Oh, wow. Okay. I I kind of am uh, leaning over to your side of the case of Katara being vengeful in all her uh, (laughs) antics this episode. Another thing I wanted to point out about the water whip, because this definitely becomes a hallmark of Katara's bending style. It's her first learned attack or combative move. So before when we see her in combat, it's a lot of defensive moves um you know crisis crisis learning how to water bend kind of like you know comes out of nowhere but this is her first learned attack and then also yeah like justin said water bending is pretty ins- is very inspired by tai chi and this is this specific move is based on a tai chi posture called the single whip which is very fitting and this water whip comes back later when Katara uses it pretty frequently, but also it becomes the basis of the octopus form we see her use against the Dai Li, which mm. is the water whip, but times eight or more. <laughs> um, and yeah, it, it is a fundamental that takes her very far. So then Sokka is laughing at her and he says, I'm sorry, but you deserve that. Aang, and then he turns to Aang and says, you've been duped. She's only interested in teaching herself. So Sokka, knowing his sister very well, maybe is, again, pointing, giving us evidence of the fact that she's not just in it to, you know, get Aang the scroll or to teach Aang or to learn together. And Katara says, Aang will get his turn once I figure out the water whip. (laughs) And then she tries again and she whips Momo. um, And again, you know, there's this more like, yeah, I guess I can see what you're saying, Mm -hmm. this negative energy pending up inside of her. And it's just, yeah, a rare instance, I think, of Katara being selfish, especially when it comes to Aang. I don't, yeah, like it's just kind of crazy to see her turn into this kind of this like jealous monster creeping up inside of her. And it's just because I think waterbending is the root of her identity and she's wanted nothing Mm -hmm. more for her whole life to leave the village and learn. And here comes Aang who just like didn't even need a Mm -hmm. teacher really. And it just, 
it sucks, you know? Like, we can all relate to that. And then she says, will you please shut your air hole? Believe it or not, your infinite wisdom gets a little old sometimes. Why don't we just throw the scroll away since you're so naturally gifted? And it's so, so mean. And then you see Aang and he's on the verge of tears and in a split second, or actually no, first Sokka gives her a disapproving look and then she says, I don't know what came over Mm -hmm. me. And she gives Aang the scroll and she says, I don't want to have anything to do with it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So Katara kind of blows up here and we see a sneak peek of what angry Katara is like and how (laughs) scary that is. But again, like she kind of shows her her devious side. She says, I don't want anything to do with the scroll. And then she tries sneaking out at night with it. So I don't know. We see we see that this uh, that that jealous side play out a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. I think we've seen just a lot of good Katara, even in, in Imprisoned, where she might have made not the smartest move. She was still fully motivated by helping others but this is so personal for her um and then Sokka says what about Momo he's the real victim here as Momo is like (laughs) rubbing his butt (laughs) it's really cute um and yeah this is the Anand really likes the Momo Sokka relationship and I think this is somewhere where they Mm -hmm. can really relate as they're both victims of bending shenanigans all the time (laughs) um and they're both kind of in the background doing doing the good work but not getting the credit like momo does some good work in this episode too so then the next scene is nighttime and katara deviously wakes up and sneaks out to get study the waterbending scroll and i had a surprise pikachu face right here i was like no she did not because i kind of forgot so then she goes by the water and she's practicing the whip and she still can't get it and zuko and the pirates hear her because they are um, sailing down the river trying to look for they've teamed up at this point and they're trying to look for ang and then she runs into a pirate because she hears them approaching and the pirate comes in from one side and then she turns around and she runs straight into Zuko's arms. And mm. this is the beginning, everyone, <laughs> of Zutara for real. I feel like Anin might have mentioned a... What was your Zutara moment? Oh, it was just when he found the necklace, right? When he found the necklace. Okay, yeah. So that's like, sure, but this is widely regarded as when Zutara really took off. So... I have some Zutara. I'm team Zutara, everybody. I'm going to put that out there. I'm sure most people are. But fun fact about Zutara is that Dante Bosco, the voice of Zuko, is on the interwebs considered the captain of the Zutara ship. He himself, he has anointed himself the captain. And then he even wrote a poem. And there's this, if you go on YouTube, (laughs) if you go on YouTube and you go to, I think, think it was like their 10th anniversary they did a panel or something Dante Bosco was on this panel and then he wrote a poem as the captain of the Zatara ship and he read it and it's just so funny because his normal speaking voice is Zuko's voice everything he says is Zuko and so he reads this poem as Zuko and it goes you have to listen to him read I mean I'm gonna read it but you have to go search for it if you are a Zutara fan but Sometimes the memory of what could have been is so much stronger than what actually happened because the memory of perfection lasts longer. Even though we didn't end up together, that'll never change the fact that you changed my life forever. Zutara. (laughs) And you have to whisper, Zutara, at the end. Um, Anyway, so the first thing that Zuko says here is, I'll save you from the pirates. Ugh, what a heartthrob. (laughs) Okay. 
moving on. <laughs> um, oh, man. Well, not moving on because Zuko now has Katara in his custody and he's questioning her, asking where is Aang and saying that if you tell me where Aang is, I won't hurt you or your brother. And then she's like, nah, like, no, thank you. And then he and then and then he's like, he's like circling around her and like, like, you know, trying to get in her head and saying, try to understand. I need to capture him in order to restore something I've lost to restore my honor. In exchange, perhaps I could restore something you've lost. And he dangles her mother's necklace in front of her. And oh my gosh, they have so much in common. They both lost things <laughs> they need to restore. But um, yeah, I thought this was interesting because it's a nice point of continuity, like we said. So the necklace comes back in this short scene, but it doesn't come into play anywhere else. It's just bait that Zuko is trying it's just Zuko trying to manipulate her and it doesn't really play a bigger role than that I mean I guess that's kind of a big role but then yeah just we get little hints of it here and there yeah so then the pirates get really impatient and they want the scroll and that's the whole reason why they've teamed up is because you get me Aang I'll give you the scroll and Zuko says he's holding up the scroll and he's threatening to burn it and he says I wonder how much this is worth and the pirates go no and then he says a lot apparently and he has this sly smirk on his face and this this sort of, everyone is so pulling each other's on like pulling each other's strings here, but this smirk and combination of manipulation gave me Azula vibes. And I feel like he's rarely mm, ever this wow, manipulative. You know, he's like, How much is this worth? And you're just dangling something in front of these helpless people, like a lot, apparently. Like it's just very smart and very yeah, kind of evil and ugh, it didn't feel good, but yeah, I mean Zuko has it in him. So he says, you'll get this back when I get what I want and everyone goes home happy. So he's also very, he has a lot of authority in this episode, which he doesn't always have also. He's usually at the will of his, you know, he's the victim of, of his, you know, the Fire Lord, the Fire Nation. But yeah, he really gets to run the show here. Yeah. So then in the morning, Sokka realizes that Katara is gone and that she took the scroll. So Sokka's upset. And then right as he wakes up, the pirates come and find Sokka and Aang and capture them. And one of the pirates launches this net at Aang. And Aang can't even use his airbending to save himself <laughs> from this net. Like, he's powerless against this net. So, what good is airbending? He can't even get away from this stupid net. Just because Aang, who's... A 12-year-old child is bad at airbending. Doesn't mean airbending is bad. He's a master. Well, He's a master. if we think about some of the, the other fully realized avatars, like Avatar Yangshen, who can summon and uh, like basically hurricane strength winds on command, I'm sure she can blow away a net. But I'm saying if you have to get to the point of where you're a master, master, like you're the avatar, your main element is air, and then when you're the age of like 50 and a fully realized master, and then you can beat a net... That's not a real good showing for airbending. It's techno <laughs> it's superior technology. <laughs> Alright, let's go watch some Zaheer clips and then we can talk again. The fact that they can fly in the air right. is also only with more the, pluses. The staff. No, they don't need they don't need a staff to fly. Let go your earthly tether, Anand. Alright, well. Become one with the void. Firebenders can fly. Zula right, can fly. Airbenders. Alright, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, so then. Uh, we go to the fighting scene where we have all the parties together and Team Avatar is kind of held as hostage at this point. Uh, and um, so the pirates come back with Sokka and Aang 
and they see Katara who's tied up on the tree and then Katara's like, this is all my fault. And then Aang's like, no, it's not. And then Iroh says, yeah, it kind of is. That's <laughs> <laughs> just another funny Iroh moment. Such a sav. But then, yeah, I just thought it was like, haha, this is Iroh having another funny moment. But then I was when I was reading online, it, somebody said that this is also an important lesson for the kiddos watching because it's like, oh, you know, even when somebody's trying to let you off the hook and go easy on you, it's when it's your fault, it's your fault and you need to own up to it, mm. you know? This Iroh being like, no, it is your fault. Yeah, wise old Iroh. Can't get off that easy, yeah. So here we see Sokka's smarts come into play because he actually pits the pirates against Zuko here. So they're supposed to be allies. But Sokka is clever and he's like, oh, how much is the Avatar here worth? And then the pirates are like, oh, like this is the Avatar, what? And then, yeah, and then so because Avatar is so much more valuable, um, they they there's some tension there, and that's a that's a good Sokka moment. He's actually doing something now. Yeah, and Zuko catches on to this because he's equally as clever, and he says, "Don't listen to him. He's trying to turn us against each other." So here you have Sokka and Zuko kind of being. We've mentioned the comparison between the two of them in the first episode as great warriors, great fighters, and great strategists. And here's another example of how they're on the same page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And then what's cool about this episode and, and a lot of season one, I think, is how there are kind of these triangle engagements, right? So we have Team Avatar, we have Zuko, and then we have some other enemy. And so we saw that in the last episode, uh, Winter Solstice Part 2 with the Fire Sages and, and Zhao. Actually, there were even more elements there. There was like Zhao, the Fire Sages, Zuko. Mm-hmm. Um, and here it's like the Pirates, Zuko and Aang. And I think it makes things really interesting because it's not just a show where there's an enemy, there's good guys, good guys win. There's more sides to this thing. It makes it more complex, more confusing, more intriguing. Zuko is not, is he the bad guy? It's, it's unclear. So I think this makes a lot of fun and they do this a lot in the first mm-hmm. season, which is really cool. So Sokka is um, talking some more about how the pirates should take Aang instead of the waterbending scroll. And Zuko tells Sokka, shut your mouth, you water tribe peasant, which is some harsh language. And we see a lot of the 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 worst sides of Zuko in this episode where he literally treats, you know, people who are not firebenders as subhuman. Yeah. And then he the pirates say, nah, keep the scroll. And he says... Zuko says, you're regret breaking a deal with me. And then he and his two guards shoot off three simultaneous blasts. And it's a cool visual and uh, they're pretty powerful. And that's how this fight begins. Yeah. And then we see Zuko kind of backing out and he's trying to run away and he runs into the pirate. We get some action here. Zuko v. Pirate Captain. But what I liked about the fight was... I think this is the first instance where we hear the Sungi horn playing in the background. Mm. And so that's like an Iroh Zuko theme that comes up. And especially because we just saw it in this episode, mm-hmm. that's a cool touch. Yeah. And we also hear elements of the Agni Kai theme, which is classic Zuko season one. So yeah. I like the music of uh, this fight. Yeah, good catch. Um, something I liked about this episode was the pirate captain thrusts the sword at Zuko and he blocks it with his arm armor. Such a sharp mm-hmm. outfit, Zuko. Such a sharp outfit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and this is also the first time we see Momo have a true adversary in the aerial combat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he gets into it with other small animals throughout the show, but yeah, this one he definitely puts on a fight, and it's you know it's a long fight too. 
Um, but yeah, then Sokka has gotten out of his ropes also, and he's trying to find Aang. And then Aang says, I'm here, I'm over here. And then he blows all the smoke away, and he sees that everybody is pointing their spears at him, which is yeah. also another funny moment in a fight. And then he says, never mind, I'll find you. Um, and then they escape from the smoke, and then they find Katara, and she's trying to push a boat back into the water. And just... You know, Katara, that's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Aang and Sokka try to help too. And then I'm like, no, 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 it's a big ship. <laughs> then they decide that this is never going to work, which is true. And then they decide to waterbend. Sokka says it t- would take a team of rhinos. And then Aang says, or two waterbenders. And then they finally learn to collaborate and they Rise, they raise the water level so that the ship can float into the river. And meanwhile, the rest of them are back oh, yeah. fighting um, in the smoke. And Iris says, are you so busy fighting you cannot see your own ship has set sail? At this point, um, Zuko says, I don't have time for your metaphors. And he says, it's not a metaphor. And he points in the distance as they're like pulling away. <laughs> but what I found yeah. funny was the pirate yeah. captain. He says, bleeding hog monkeys. <laughs> um which I thought was a very colorful insult. Reminded me of like uh drag tailed gutter snipe from Pygmalion. I remember reading that in, in high school or some more colorful Shakespeare insults. Yeah, definitely. I feel like that must have been where they got their um inspiration from. And it comes back, it's clearly a lingo. it's like the 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 go to like curses in um Avatar World. Um, and when the pirate captain sees that their ship has set sail, Zuko laughs so loudly and like, like <laughs> happily. And it's like a, it's like a belly laugh and he's smiling so wide and it's, it's so striking <laughs> and weird, but also amazing. Cause he's so, he's like, he just thinks he's getting such a kick out of this and it's the happiest probably ever we see him. He only laughs two or three times in the entire show. So I think most people think it's two times and the second time people say is in the headband before he and my kiss, but also a third time is at the end, very end of the show in the finale when Toph says, I think you all look great and they all laugh. But I mean, those were at least, those were just kind of chuckles or light laughs. This is a full on like guffaw or whatever, you know, it's crazy, but immediately it turns around because... <laughs> Zuko sees his boat being <laughs> occupied by the pirates and the pirates are laughing right back at him and they're, one of them is about to moon him and then the <laughs> camera pans away quickly, which kind of reminded me of the censoring that they did with Naked Iroh. Uh, so pretty clever camera work. Sneaky there. It's pretty sneaky. So then they're on the boat and the fight is continuing and Katara succeeds in doing the water whip. So hooray. She, you know, she's found peace inner peace with Aang and uh, now she's capable of doing these things. Also, she's being threatened, so maybe that helps. And so um, she finally does something good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then Sokka says, will you two quit congratulating each other and help me out because Aang is super excited. She got the water whip and um, he's being like suffocated by two pirates. Um, but then the boat is quickly approaching a waterfall and Aang blows on his whistle and Sokka's like, what are you doing? Try to stop the boat. And Katara and Aang are both trying to slow down the boat. And so they go tumbling over the waterfall and Appa comes to save their butts. Round two. Appa ex machina. <laughs> all over the place. Once yeah. again. 
Um, and then Iroh, and <laughs> this is such a funny scene, and also the animation of Iroh makes him so lovable here. He says, Prince Zuko, and then he chuckles to himself, and he looks down, and he says, you're going, he's, you're really going to get a kick out of this. The lotus tile was in my sleeve the whole time, and he grins really big, and then... Zuko just yells and he throws it at the pirates who are floating down the river. So this valuable lotus tile of his is gone anyways. So there you go. That was a long journey for nothing. <laughs> so then the last scene is Team Avatar riding away on Appa and Katara finally apologizes for being competitive and putting them all in danger. And then she says, who needs that stupid scroll anyway? Yeah, and then we see... Sokka actually comes through and he has to scroll in the end. So he wasn't totally useless. And but also, you know, he was so disproving with with Katara stealing what seems to be Katara stealing. But in the end, he I guess he realized the value of the scroll and how, you know, bad the the pirates and Zuko were. So given the situation, the best thing I guess that could have happened was that they come away with the scroll. Yeah. This episode wraps up in one of the top 10 most serene moments in Avatar where they're riding Appa and they just break, barely break through this ocean of clouds into like the upper sky, I guess. Kind of like when you're on a plane, but they're just on Appa. And Katara says, I still mm-hmm. owe you an apology. And this is a really, really nice scene. What are your top other 10, other nine, Justin? Um, <laughs> at, at least five of them have to be on Ember Island um i think another scene would be when sokka is with princess ua and they're just in the sky and it's like snowing around them right before they see the black soot obviously (gasps) oh Oh, nice i love that you have your top 10 ready to go yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay so that concludes this episode and now let's get on with the ratings Alrighty, i will give this episode a seven I think this episode is definitely better than average, uh, and I was kind of struggling between a 6 and a 7, but I think there are a few things this episode does do really well. First of all, I think it's just really funny. Like, this may be the funniest episode that we've had so far. I think Sokka has some really good moments, and the fight was actually just really entertaining to watch, like with Aang and the smoke and all these, like, pirates doing stupid things and things just kind of working out. It was just it was very, like, a, a joyful episode. But I think beyond that, because this episode came after the giant climax that was Winter Solstice Part 2 with Roku and everything, I think a lot of times after the climax, it's hard to deliver on an episode that you're at such a high and you have to restart so much. It's hard to actually deliver on a good episode setting more stuff up. But I think they set so many things up in this episode so well with all the continuity that later comes in. Whether that's with the the bison whistle or like the waterbending scroll that comes back when they go to the library and they give Wan Shi Tong the, the waterbending scroll or the necklace comes back. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of continuity and a lot of seeds. Uh, I think overall this episode was just very like well put together. It was like paced well, like just well put together and we get some good Katara action mm-hmm. as well and character mm-hmm. development. So give it a seven. I think I also give it a seven um, in the context of season one. I, I think if if this was a season three episode, maybe like a six or five. I, I think this is the first episode where I'm like, truly, this is, feels like Team Avatar. They have very creative ways to get out of problems. They're working together. Everyone's contributing. Um, Sokka is at the butt of every joke. 
Um, yeah, I think the only thing holding it back are some very strange inconsistencies. Um, how easily Katara gets captured was a little strange. How easily Aang is picking up waterbending, it felt a little too fast. And yeah, like Anand said earlier, how easily Iroh just steamrolls over Zuko's will in this episode is also kind of strange. Interesting. Okay, I like that you gave both scores, like seven in the context of season one and five overall. Because hearing you say seven at first, I felt a little bad about my rating because I gave it a five. And I was like, whoa, wait a second. Am I missing something? Not no, bad, so but bad. I was like, I mean, I was like always, I was in between a five and a six. And I was like, whoa, like I'm so out, like misaligned, but um, <laughs> not so misaligned. But anyways, yeah, definitely just like, I think in general, my, my first instinct with score is to think overall with the whole show, like how much do I just like it on a holistic rewatchability standpoint? But yeah, I just, I thought it was pretty average. I think Katara is quite annoying in it. And I just, I think Katara is such a good character and this is just the ugliest side of her. And I just don't like to see it as much because I think she has so many good qualities and so many great moments. Um, and, you know, you could argue that it's part of her character development, but it's like character regression, you know, like it, it comes back and it's a part of her personality, but nah, I don't know. Whatever. I just like the positive parts. So that's one thing. And then it also just doesn't really advance the plot. And I, I totally get that we need a break from the last episode. And I kind of agree, but it's just hard because coming off the last episode, this one just feels, I don't know. It's it, yeah, maybe you do have to evaluate these episodes contextually because it feels like, I don't know. It feels like mm, fine. I mean, they get the waterbending school and there are a lot of continuity bits. So I, I agree like with the necklace, learning waterbending and having this really take off for the rest of the season and for the rest of the show, the White Lotus. But I think just the central plot of it is like annoying because Katara is annoying. And I honestly don't really like the pirates either. It's because like they're just, I don't know, they're random characters. They feel a little bit out of place. And later we'll see too that they are the worst <laughs> and they try to kill Zuko. Um, and yeah, so I think just, I think I like all the bits and pieces that make up this episode, but the central plot that's driving it, I'm just not into because it's about Katara and this pirates and I don't like either of them in this case. Um, and mm -hmm. the good things is it is pretty fun, pretty funny. I think Zuko and Iroh um, humor wise really shine. I loved seeing Zuko laugh and then quickly his face turning to, um, becoming like appalled at the fact that his ship was being commandeered. Um, that was just really funny. And then it's also a really great fight sequence. I think this is probably one of the longest action sequences we've seen, you know, when it continues onto the boat, it's kind of surprising, but it's all very well done. Um, and yeah, it's better than I remembered, but still pretty average for me. So that concludes this episode of the podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed our discussion of the waterbending scroll. As always, we release on WhatsApp on Wednesdays. So we'll see you next time for our discussion of Jet. In the meantime, if you want to stay up to date on when we release and or submit thoughts or questions on the episodes, feel free to follow us on Instagram or Twitter at, at what's underscore oppa, like our Facebook page, or you can email us at whatsoppapod at gmail.com. Avatar is airing on Nickelodeon again starting August 16th at 7 p.m. So if you're feeling super nostalgic and want to watch it on OG Nickelodeon, watch out for that. So that's it for us. Thank you guys so much again, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.
Play Me Out, Hotman.